Acts chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Somebody said, uh-oh, you wore a jacket. Did y'all have a funeral? Yep. Did you have a wedding? Two of them. I didn't do both of them, though. Acts chapter 1. Begin we're reading verse 6. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? Jesus said, the Father set the dates. He replied, and they're not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It wasn't long after that, Jesus was discussing that, all of a sudden, before their very eyes, the Bible says Jesus began to ascend until he finally disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, the two, there were two white-robed men suddenly appeared and stood before them all. They said, men of Galilee, why stand you here staring up at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven. And someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. And I think it's interesting here that the angels, even though they know not the time nor the day, they had the assurance that Jesus was definitely going to return. The Father tells us time and time again in the Scripture that Jesus is going to come and uh, get the church. You see... Is Jesus going to return? Sure is, according to the Bible. Well, let's look at a few things, what the Bible says about his return and, and what surrounds it. Number one is some things from 2 Timothy 3 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times are going to come. Men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, and proud, and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural or unnatural affection, a man toward a woman. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. It has been said that this world is fixing to face one of the three things that, and, and I believe all three of these are coming. One, possibly revival. Do I believe revival is going to come and sweep our land? No. I think we've seen the last of that. That doesn't mean that there won't be pocket revivals going on where people get right with Jesus, individual revival, where they get right and get ready for flight and, and get things straight. But I don't think we'll see the whales type revivals anymore. Is that possible? I believe when Jesus comes and gets the church, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, there is a possibility things might happen, but they won't be quite like I think you would think or may think that's going to happen. Second of all is retribution. Retribution means that there's a time of punishment deserved for evil, uh, evil that's done. Has that happened on the face of this earth? Yes. The Bible says in Noah's day that <clears throat> they received retribution and 
uh, that retribution was what? It was a flood. Some people say, well, I don't believe in the flood. We used to take our youth to Elizabethan, Tennessee. Some of the older guys will remember that. In Elizabethan, Tennessee, there's a tall mountain. It's one of the few three or four places in the world that's the top uh, elevation in the United States. On top of the mountain in Elizabeth, Tennessee, there's fossils on the top of that mountain. Now, what that indicates is that one time, at one time on the face of this earth, that rock formation, as tall as it is, I forget the height of it, was underwater. I think it's pretty factual that you and I uh, can and safely say that this earth was under water. And uh, so you can wrestle with that one if you want. Lots today, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah were two sister cities. And Sodom, after Lot left, the Bible tells us that fire and brimstone rained down from heaven. And uh, the city was destroyed. I believe we're... The third is the return of Christ. I I believe that that probably will be the the clearer one that we will see as a believer. I believe that in 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped onto the surface of the moon, and it was said by Time magazine that the only news that would be any greater and larger wide in the world than that will be the coming back of Jesus Christ. Are there signs of his coming? Even though we can't know the day, Mark 13, 32 says, no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will come. Not even the angels in heaven know the day. They know he's coming. Or even the son, Jesus knows he's coming, but only the father knows the day and the time and the hour. But there are signs of his return according to the word of God. The New Testament talks about the the days of Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, we'll read a few of those. Uh, It talks about that now the earth had become corrupt in God's sight, verse 11. Noah, uh, excuse me, Genesis 6. And it was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world and he saw violence and depravity everywhere. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Yes, I will wipe them all out from the face of this earth. Some say, is that going to happen again? Well, you and I both know God promised he wouldn't destroy the earth again by flood. That's why we have the symbol of the rainbow. It's not because the gays think made it popular. It's because God made it a distinctive sign. And you can be proud of that sign. But also, we see the sign of his return uh, there will be a falling away. Second Corinthians, uh, Thessalonians 2 verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. You say, well, what do you mean a falling away? Some call it apostasy. Some call it uh, a spiritual decline. I, I don't see a spiritual escalation in our world today. I see a spiritual decline. I don't see the fire cloven tongues of fire, and I don't see people so overwhelming me in love with Jesus that they're willing to give it up. Uh, they're, they're holding on with Jesus one hand, hanging on the world with the other. And uh, you already know what Jesus called that. Well, you see, when it comes to the signs of falling away, it is said that five of a hundred church members can't even be found. Twenty out of a hundred church members don't pray. Twenty-five of a hundred don't read their Bibles. 
30 out of 100 never attend church at all. 40 out of 100 never give, tithe, or offering, or anything. 80 out of 100 never do ministry. 95 of 100 never share Christ with anybody. So, as you can see, it seems like we are falling into those latter-day patterns of, of uh, falling away from our first love. There is also the signs of room, wars and rumors of war. Now, Billy Graham talks about the moral war when he says one of the biggest problems confronting our world is the fact that through the years of manipulation and deceit, morality and traditional values are no longer in place. We're following a different rule book. We're following the rule of whatever we want to do, and we're making it right because we're doing it. Unfortunately, we have a, a clearer picture in mind about what is right and wrong in the Word of God if we would just stay in that. You know, in Noah's day, the greatest breakdown that took place that showed that society was declining was that of the husband and wife. That was of the marriage, the family unit. We have such a, a, a problem today with our children and youth. They don't know what absolute means. They don't know there's right and wrong. It seems like that they're struggling at that point when they come out of school and they're coming out of homes. They don't understand, hey, some of these things you're doing are wrong. And the Bible says they're wrong. Babies are being murdered right and left. And as you've, you're hearing on the political uh, trail, many of them are being sold for, for, for uh, profit for body parts, just to be able to do research and different things. Well, the war on drugs is as widespread, and Butch can speak more of this than I can, but I know it's as widespread as the international conflict in our worldwide around us. Random shootings, it just seems like you just turn on the news, and guess what? Somebody got shot and killed today. Innocent children are not only killed by abortion on demand, but through home violence. And uh, moms and dads just killing their kids, leaving them in cars and suffocating and dying. It, it's, it's all around us. Our world is facing a famine. And guess what? It's not the third world country. It's America. It is said that third, and we don't seem to feel the brunt of it, but a 30 million Americans go hungry in our world um, or in the United States. Pestilence, and one of those, of course, the greatest that hit the scene hadn't always been here, but it's AIDS. In 1981, a total, total of 189 cases were reported in the states. Now, in, in 1990, 43,000 cases, and the latest I poll that I, or uh, statistic I get a hold of was 2012. Approximately 658,507 people have died in the uh, as a direct result of AIDS being involved. Now, most of you know, if you know anything about AIDS, you know you don't normally die of AIDS. You die of other related things, such as pneumonia or other things. But you go down because of the disease, the pestilence of AIDS. In Luke 17, if you want to turn there, you can just listen. When the Son of Man returns, the world will be like people... The people were in Noah's day in the do days of the, before the flood. They enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered in his boat and the flood came to destroy them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went by their daily business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, and building. 
until the morning that Lot left Sodom, the, then the fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be as business as usual right up to the time and hour that Jesus returns. What is it going to be like when Jesus comes? Much like what it is today, except the moral climate and much of the world climate and evil will escalate. And uh, But as far as your knowing one way or another, other than the signs of earthquakes and the signs of of natural disasters and and uh, much of this that continues to go on will be in place and it will continue to be around us. We will even get, as we are today, used to hearing it. And we'll be doing business as usual. And then the Bible says Jesus will come back like a thief in the night. He's going to catch everybody by surprise. Now, if you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, I want you to understand <clears throat> that as we study or as we look at this particular passage, 1 Thessalonians 4 is a reference to the coming of Jesus, not like the other references as mentioned in the book of the Revelation, as mentioned in 2 Thessalonians, because it's different. The, the, the latter-day the latter time clock is what's next is 1 Thessalonians 4. That's the only thing I know that's keeping us from moving into the last days. And then after the catching away of the church, the Bible says that the tribulation period will start. And that is a seven-year period on this earth. At the end of that seven-year period, Second Thessalonians and, and uh, other places in Matthew 24, you got to be careful when you study these two things because you don't want to run together two events that are going to take place. The one event is what we're going to talk about this morning, and that's next for Jesus to come. The second one is his second coming, his, his return. That comes after the tribulation. That will be initiated by the battle of Armageddon, and then ultimately uh, there will be a lull of time, and then we'll usher in the thousand-year millennial reign here on earth. Some of you go, my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. Well, when you start studying, it is. But when we come into 1 Thessalonians 4, I want you to see this, beginning with verse 13. And now, you brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so you will not be full of sorrow, like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all of the Christians who have died in the Lord. That causes some problems for some people because we get to thinking sometimes, I don't know, my knees are getting weak. Y'all don't mind me sitting on a chair, do you? My body just ain't been acting right today. I'm fine. My body's messed up. Tennessee one, we're cool. My boys are Alabama from Alabama. They were born in Alabama. They're sad. But anyway, when it comes to the rapture of the church, we need to understand there's the rapture of the church, and I'll, we'll look at that here just in a second, the tribulation, the second coming, and then ushering in the thousand-year millennial reign. You say, is that in the Word of God? Yes, it is. And uh, if you study it, you'll see it for yourself. Some people get all this mumble-jumble together, and they think the second coming is actually the rapture. That's not true. The rapture is not the second coming. 
It is the second in sequence, but it's not the, it's the biblical terminology of second coming. It's actually a different event. When he refers to, in the rapture, in verse 14, he says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again, we believe that Jesus comes. God will bring back all the Christians who have died. Have you ever wondered what the Christians are doing? I can tell you what they're going to do on the day of the rapture. They're going to be with Jesus. And guess what? The Bible says that all of the cemeteries are going to be emptied of those that were believers. Now, if Jesus had a sense of humor and he wanted to really leave, since he's coming as a thief in the night in this one, if he really wanted to leave a good uh, testimony, I'd like to see all of those vaults and those coffins just explode and blow out of the grave. Unfortunately, I keep having them in the back of my mind, Jesus probably not going to do it that way. I would do it that way. And the reason for it has to come from Luke 16 when it says that the rich man wanted Abraham to do something supernaturally weird so that his five brothers wouldn't come and Jesus wouldn't do it. He said, no, or Abraham wouldn't do it. He said, no, if they don't listen to the prophets, they don't listen to the preachers, if they don't listen to the normal way what we listen, and they don't read the word of God, they're not going to believe and they're not going to come, even though one came back from the dead. Some of you may be here and you say, you know what, preacher, I've heard that we're going to go through the uh, tribulation period. Well, since you believe that, let me read to you a few verses. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this, and they speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's son, and I am from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, and he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. What is the terror of the coming judgment? It's the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, excuse me, it's the tribulation period. Now, if we were going to go into the tribulation period, God's people, we wouldn't get that one. And another one you can read is 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 9. I really don't need to write you about how and when all this will happen. Dear brothers and sisters, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief of the night. When people are saying all is well and everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a woman's birth pains begin when her child is about to be born and there will be no escape. But you aren't, you aren't in the dark and about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are children of the light and of the day, and we don't belong to darkness or night. So be on guard, not asleep like others, Stay alert and be, excuse me just a minute. Stay alert and be sober. Night is the time for, night, night is the time when people get drunk. But let us who live in the light think clearly, protected as our, as our, hel- as our helmet and the confidence of our salvation. Now listen to this, verse 9. For God decided to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Not to pour out his anger on us. He's referring to the same thing, First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 1.10. Not pouring out this great anger as referred to some, the abomination of desolation, the great time of great, God's great wrath, or the tribulation period. And that is a seven-year time frame. Is God going to deliver us from it? Yes. Do we deserve that? No. You deserve every one of us to go through those seven years. But God said he's not going to do that. He's going to take us out. How is he going to take us out? Glad you asked. 
Because in 1 Thessalonians, if you'll turn back there, chapter 4, he's going to take us out, first of all, through a resurrection. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died when he was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will be bringing back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I I think that's the coolest thing, and and I can see this. I'm not much anymore of getting off a six-foot ladder without getting queasy in my legs. I used to ride a ball on a crane and not think a thing about it. I'd go up four or five stories. It didn't bother me, but now it does. So I know I'm going to be changed. I know I'm going to be transformed. I know I'm going to have a new body because that's the only way this old boy is going to be able to handle what we're fixing to do. And that is every person that's ever died, ever died, you ever loved that knew Jesus, you're going to meet them in the air. Understand this, that the air is Satan's domain. And the Bible tells us that that is exactly where Jesus is going to put us and stick it in his face. He's going to say, I'm telling you, Satan, you're a defeated foe. And here's my church. Here's my believers. Here are those that are gone on to the Lord uh, that have died and they're coming back. You say, well, now, wait a minute. How can they be dead coming back with Jesus and yet still be in the grave? That's easy. Because you and I live in a human tent, do we not? Do you see yourself made up of flesh, bones, and body? I don't. Even though I can't describe it or I can't define it, when I'm looking out and I know my body's doing a lot of weird things and you see my body, but that ain't me. I'm on the inside of this tent and one day I'm going to be released, the Bible says, and I'm going to, my spirit is going to be able to go and be with Jesus and my body, my tent is going to be stuck in the ground somewhere or cremated or whatever. So understand that there will be a resurrection. I I love to read these verses because normally I don't get to read them unless it's at a funeral. But I want you to hear, in light of the rapture, in light of the catching away of the church, I want you to hear 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Paul says, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. Now, you somebody say, that's his second coming. No, it ain't. It is the rapture of the church. When the trumpet sounds and the Christians who have died will be raised, will be transformed bodies. And we all... And then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. When this happens, when our perishable bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die, then at the last scriptures will be true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Understand this. There's going to be a wonderful resurrection. The dead in Christ, those who, whose bodies have gone on in the Lord. You see, the Thessalonians were afraid of that. They were afraid that their people were going to be second-rate citizens. They were going to be forgotten. And, and Jesus said, hey, man, don't worry about it. Paul said, hey, don't worry about it. They're actually going to pre go before. They're going to precede those that are living on this earth when Jesus comes back. 
Preacher Adam said, you do know why the dead in Christ are going to rise first. I said, I don't know. Tell me. He said, because they got a six-foot depth to, to start and get ahead of us. They're six foot below. Because I don't think they dig them but four foot today. That's all real morbid. But anyway, what a day that will be when Jesus I shall see and look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day. That will be. The second thing is not just the resurrection, but the rapture. Look at verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a call of the archangel and with a trumpet of God. First of all, Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together, we with them will all Go up behind them and still alive and remain on the earth. Here it is. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. You say, Mike, I don't believe in the rapture because the word rapture is not in the Bible. You sound real smart, but I'm going to make you look real dumb. To be caught up is where we get our Latin word raptio. It's called rapto. It's the idea, the the English definition of the Latin word rapto means to snatch us out, to reach down and pull us away. You see, I'm convinced that there are Christians who are hindering or being hindered by the strong pull of sin, the influence of the flesh, the world and the devil. And all these will conspire to keep us here. But when Jesus comes, there will be no staying if you're his. He will catch you away, that which he's redeemed by his blood, and and he will take you home to glory. No force will be able to hold us here when Jesus comes. The bottom line is, when he comes, you go. Now, again, on this coming, he's not touching on the earth, on his foot on the earth. He's meeting us in the air. The Bible says, with a shout and a trumpet. Some people, I don't believe in shouting. It hurts my ears. Then go somewhere where your ears don't get hurt. We ought to be shouting. We ought to be saying, I guarantee you, you funny duddies that don't shout, will be shouting when you see Jesus. It'll just come out of you. Woo! Glory. I made it. The trumpet, when it sounds, will be to assemble the people of God and to, to signal our deliverance. To you that say with the, rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible, yeah, you're right. Neither is a grandfather. I can't find grandfather in the Bible anywhere. But guess what? I'm a grandfather. And don't you dare tell me because grandfather's not in the Bible that I'm not a grandfather. I'll hurt you. You see, guess what else is not in the Bible? Trinity. Well, um, and I've heard some of these goofy people who don't read their Bible. Well, I just believe it's Jesus only when Jesus on the cross. He was praying to himself. My Jesus ain't that dumb. Jesus wasn't praying to himself. He was praying to his Father. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. 
I'll agree with you that the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the, the, the teachings of the Trinity are in the Bible. Matthew 28, Jesus said in verse 18, he told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There it is. There it is. Come on. You that dumb? You don't see it? Well, that means there's three gods. No, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're, uh, they're all uh, the Godhead, and those are three distinctive personalities. I, I'll tell you a good book that'll help you straighten it out. If that don't straighten you out, then you need to go Bible college. You're just too hard-headed and stubborn to learn. And then you'll get down to the Greek and Hebrew of it all, and you'll see exactly what's going on. It's Billy Graham's book on the Holy Spirit. He'll help you on some of that stuff. He, he helped me. Well, the third is not just the resurrection and not just the rapture, but a reunion. Paul tells us that we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. We will meet those who have gone before who have died. Man, I got to think about that at this moment, and I, I got so excited about just being able to go up. Now, I love my daddy. I love my daddy, but my mama... And she made me so mad, I could have shot her four times before she ever died. <laughs> but I love my mama. And, and if I've ever been a mama's kid or a mama's boy, you're looking at one. Now, I'm a man's man, mama's boy. But I can see my mama just off in the distance waving at me. Boy, I, I'm, I'm, I ain't waiting on her to run to me. I'm, 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 I'm going to fly to her and give that mama a, a hug. And say, catch me up, mama. Let me know what's going on around here. And it's so cool that we have that in, your, in, in our minds to comfort one another. Why, it's true that, that the flood was the retribution of Noah and the fire and the brimstone was lot. And during the tribulation, we will see retribution of fear and famine. And yes, there'll be some people get saved. But there ain't going to be a whole lot. Mike, do you believe there'll be tribulation saints? Yeah, I do. But I also believe in the book of Revelation, it talks about 144,000. By the way, that wasn't Jehovah's Witness. It was Jews who will be latter-day evangelists that go out and tell the Jewish community about Jesus because, after all, the average Jew doesn't believe the Messiah has come. And they'll go out and say, hey, he's here. He's come. And the Jews will get saved. If you go over to 2 Thessalonians, which, by the way, gets you over into the second coming after the tribulation, you'll find that God's going to, during the tribulation, is going to send a great delusion. And it says that that delusion will be toward those who believe the Word of God or did not believe the Word of God, but they heard the gospel. Many of you may be some of, hopefully you won't be, hopefully that you're, that you, you know that the place to be saved is here and now. Don't wait the tribulation because most likely you're going to buy into the delusion. Why? Because the famine, you ever heard of the 666? Well, let me just tell you what that's all about. 
I don't care whether it's on your forehead, in your hand, or your rear end. It don't matter to me. All I know is you ain't going to be able to buy, sell, get food, get anything to, to do any kind of transaction on the face of this earth. And if you accept that mark, you're doomed for hell. So the only way you're going to be able to accept Jesus during the tribulation is die. And I'm telling you what, some of us won't live for him now when we got a mouthful of food. I can't imagine us all of a sudden want to live for him when we're starving to death. <clears throat> there was a long time ago, an old-time farmer. He had never been to the big city. And his wife said, babe, we, we need to go to town. He said, I'm, I don't know. I want to go to town. So he finally listened to her, and they headed off to town with their little son. And when they got there, all of a sudden, he was just fascinated. He'd never seen three-story buildings before. He didn't know they could put a building on top of a building. So he gets, goes inside, and, and he notices he was watching with his half-grown son this old lady gets on a, a, a elevator and she goes up and all of a sudden the door opens back up and this drop dead gorgeous like my wife walked out. I cleaned that up, didn't I? My wife is drop dead gorgeous. Y'all better say amen to that. Thank you. He said, son, go get your mama. He said, I believe there's going to be a transformation today. Now listen, I don't know what's going to happen when Jesus comes back and the Bible says that we are going to be changed in the twinkle of an eye. I don't know what that means when this old body wore out as it is begin, and some of your bodies that ache like mine at 60 and some of you older and some of you younger aching and complaining and on drugs and taking medications and drinking and, and smoking and, and cussing and doing all this stuff. But I can tell you what your body ain't going to do when it's changed. It's going to be cleaned up, purified. It's going to be perfect. And it's going to head on up to glory with Jesus and we're going to run the clouds of glory and we're going to have a good time with all of our loved ones who've died and gone on and we're just going to have an eternity time serving Jesus for the rest of our lives if if you know Jesus. Amen? With your heads bowed.